Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. If your workout includes baling hay and pitching pens, then you'll be comfortable right here. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, I don't know about you, but I had a workout while shoveling snow last night. Good morning and happy Wednesday. I'm Stephanie Hoff. Thanks for joining me this morning on the Midwest Farm Report. We are out of that winter weather advisory, but still be cautious out there. And it looks like we're not done with snow yet. In fact, it looks like 2022 starts out with some snowfall. Our ag meteorologist, Stu Muck, will join us in a moment with those details. The show looks great this morning. We'll hear from the Wisconsin Soybean Association. They'll talk about the Corn and Soy Expo planned for February. Before that, Pam Yankee will touch base with Steffes Auction Group. But first, I chat with Carrie Retallick about the pork supply chain. Thanks for kicking things off with me on a Wednesday. Overlook Farms. Hello, sir. Do you have a minute to chat about the beef jerky of the month? A minute? I've got hours. What? Because Ingenia Herbicide from BASF has the lowest use rate, I covered more soybean acres more efficiently. If now's not a good time... Thanks to Ingenia Herbicide, I've got plenty of time. What flavors you got? Oh, we've got barbecue, jalapeno... Ingenia Herbicide is a U.S. EPA-restricted-use pesticide. Every application of Ingenia Herbicide requires the use of a pH-buffering adjuvant. Additional state restrictions may apply. Always read and follow label directions. For about the past year and a half, we've been dealing with terms we haven't dealt with before to an extent that we are now. Bob Osel here at the northern end of the world's longest bar, and I'm talking about terms like Zoom and virtual and supply chain, things that we knew were out there but uh, never got the attention. They are now. And, Steph, you had a chance to talk to uh, some folks that are very much involved in that supply chain situation. Oh, yes. And Bob, you and I know the COVID-19 pandemic has shocked the livestock supply chain. I'm Stephanie Hoff from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. When processing plants had to shut down, animals had nowhere to go. And that backlog can lead to overcrowding in barns, which can lead to animal welfare issues. So the best practice to prevent that is euthanization and proper disposal of the animal. Carrie Retallick is the executive vice president of the Wisconsin Pork Association. She says the industry is investing money to research depopulation as the U.S. continues to face new COVID variants and also the threat of the African swine fever. Yes, yeah, so it's really unfortunate situation. But what we have found out from the pandemic is that what we can do to make sure that those animals are taken care of properly and are humanely euthanized so that they uh, we can get them uh, euthanized and disposed of in a in a proper fashion processing plants can't take all the animals like when people wonder why do they have to be euthanized so there was a what happened was there was the plants couldn't take as many and so then what happened is is there the pigs started to build up and they were getting they were continuing to grow but the producer couldn't take them to the plant because they the plants weren't open and even when they got back open, there might have been an issue with those uh, pigs being able to get to the plant itself. So if those pigs are there on a farm for a week or two weeks beyond what they're supposed to for the market side of things, then those pigs are too big to take to market. And the unfortunate instance of that is, is they have to be euthanized. And if they're too big, it means that they would bring them in and the equipment wasn't 
able to hold the pigs in that size. So they had to be destroyed instead of being able to be sent to go through the plant and be sent for food processing. That's something to keep an eye on as the Omicron COVID-19 variant spreads into the Midwest. But it's not just a human disease that can result in mass depopulation of livestock. The U.K. had experienced foot and mouth disease in their sheep and cattle. And the African swine fever is a growing concern today as the U.S. tries to prevent it from coming here. Yeah, so we're always hoping that we don't have a foreign animal disease get into uh, the United States. But the, the issue is we need to be prepared if it does. So we need to have plans in place. What are we going to do? How do we move forward with it? How are we going to euthanize an animal if we have to? Um, Where will we dispose of them? And what we found out during the pandemic is that we're not adequately prepared to answer all those questions. So we're working on this at this time with the Department of Agriculture and making sure that we have those things in place in the future. The National Pork Board has just invested $240,000 to research uh, this big hit to the supply chain and then also pushing checkoff dollars to depopulation research. Yes, they are. So we, we had the $240,000 that just went for some real-time production units that would basically help with the euthanization itself. And then there's another $8 million that they've put in for additional research and things for uh, depopulation efforts and euthanasia efforts as we're moving forward. How come this hasn't ever been done before? Is it just the sheer amount of money, investment it takes to conduct research like this? So there is a lot of dollars. Um, they've always been, we've, we've done a lot of, National Port Board has done a lot of research in the past with our checkoff dollars in regard to euthanasia. There's been a lot of work done on making sure that the euthanasia process that we have is adequate and appropriate for the size of the pig. So that has been something that's been ongoing. This was a situation that we did not predict at the time, and the pandemic made it that we had some things that we had to do immediately. And what we ended up doing in the state of Wisconsin is we put together a program that we could call Passion for Pork, that we could actually get those pigs to um, some plants throughout the state, get them processed, and get them to food banks so that they didn't actually have to euthanize them and just put send them to like rendering. Emergency management is something that's top of mind for the pork industry amidst the again African swine fever. What is the ASF situation right now? Well I think it's uh, we're we're definitely um, concerned about the possibility. What has happened is National Pork Producers Council has worked very hard to try to um, add additional resources such as more beagles at the airport and additional security. So trying to keep that, that ASF out of the United States itself. Um, they also support some other um, some other countries to look at what they are doing with ASF that they have so that we can learn from that as well. So there's a lot of research that's been going in to um, identify things that we can do to be prepared if necessary. It is so important for the A community to prevent supply chain disruption and animal disease because farmers don't want to euthanize their animals. So much goes into preventing having to cull an animal from giving extra care to the runt in the litter to having strict biosecurity measures. So mass depopulation has to take a toll on farmer mental health. Fortunately in Wisconsin, we didn't have a lot of those issues where they had to do it extensively, but some of them did have to put some animals down and it's never easy. 
easy, but sometimes it's the most humane thing to do. In this situation, it was because they didn't have enough room, and so if they didn't have enough room, then we wanted to make sure that those animals weren't suffering because they didn't have the appropriate space needed. So there's, there's a lot of reasons to go through it. I mean, in this case, it wasn't an animal health disease, so DACCAP couldn't help us as much as they would probably have liked to um, with some of the decisions made. But during the pandemic, we've definitely found out that we're very vulnerable and we need to do additional work to make sure that we're prepared for anything in the future. Now, there was some relief dollars uh, for folks who had to depopulate their herds. Is that still going on? Is there still access to funds to make up for those losses? They had, um, similar to other COVID-19 programs that were out there, they had to apply for that, and then they would receive uh, information back and then, of course, get get their funding. So all the applications had to be in. They would review them, and then they would notify them if they were able to uh, be awarded some dollars for those pigs that they had to be euthanized. Let's reflect um, the current hog situation. Is there still backlogs to get to the processing plant? Are we still seeing maybe transportation problems in getting hogs to plants? At this point in time, it's um, everything is... is m- back to normal on the most part um at this point in time we don't have any i haven't had any producers send give us calls that they've had loads canceled um the processing plants have um, worked very hard to keep their have security measures uh health safety measures in place so that they can keep those lines open and so right now it seems that um that the Pigs are getting through the processing supply chain at this point in time. And what can consumers expect to see now coming to the final loop in the the supply chain at the grocery store? How are prices, how is supply on the shelves? Well, I haven't had a chance to really um, go through a lot of that information at this time, but what we have seen is there's probably not as many, um, like, uh, products that um, are are more specialized, like a spiral ham or that kind of thing. Um, We do have some supply issues. I know of some places that wanted seven, eight, maybe ten loads of hams, and they're not able to get them at this point in time. And I don't know the exact reasons for all of that, but what I do know is there is um, the whole supply chain issue right now is something that we're dealing with in almost everything that we're that we're purchasing, and, and pork's, pork is uh, one of those areas as well. Oh, and then finally, Carrie, what are you guys looking for in 2022? Well, we're looking to you know continue to develop. Um, our mission is to make sure that our producers can um, provide healthy, nutritious pork products. And, you know, we want our folks to continue to raise pigs in the state of Wisconsin and um, be able to have their families on the operations for generations to come. So there's a lot of work to continue, work to continue um, but I'm, I feel very thankful that we have the, the perseverance of our producers to be able to do that in the future. That was Carrie Ritalik, the executive vice president of the Wisconsin Pork Association. She encourages pork shoppers to check out the industry's We Care principles. And these showcase the producer's commitment to sustainability and constant improvement. You can find that information online at www.porkcares.org. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Stephanie Hoff. 
Sign up for daily agriculture updates by joining our email list. Head to MidwestFarmReport.com, enter your email address, and we'll handle the rest. More farm news straight ahead. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. It's that time of year for giving and taking. With so many people shopping online because of the pandemic, this holiday season, we are expected to have a record-breaking year for home deliveries and those pesky porch pirates. These adventurous thieves feast on crimes of opportunity, often finding their treasure in apartment complexes and vulnerable front porches. If you'd like to keep your deliveries, Madison Erie Crime Stoppers has a few package theft prevention tips. Have your packages held at your local carrier facility for pickup. Take advantage of ship to store for curbside pickup or check out Amazon's locker feature. You can request that your package have a signature confirmation upon delivery. Ask your carrier to place packages in an area out of plain view have packages delivered to your work schedule delivery for times you will be home have packages delivered to a neighbor who is home or install a video doorbell since they are already on your property and porch some of these porch pirates will also check for unlocked doors so make sure that the exterior of your home and any vehicles are locked up every day and night if you have any information regarding porch pirates please contact madisonary crime stoppers at 266-6014 or on the web at p3tips.com individuals contacting crime stoppers can remain anonymous and may be eligible for a cash reward if you're talking, they will hear you every single time. Oh, we're getting killed. Yeah, well, Kyle's not here. How come? Kicked off the team. Didn't Tim tell you? Kyle and some other kids got caught drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Come on, it's a first offense, right? That we know of. But why should that matter? He knew not to drink. I've made it clear to Matt, that's what we expect from him. What have you said to Tim? Um, nothing really. You know, a lot of kids try it at this age, so... I... Yeah, well, a lot of kids don't try it, too. I'm not saying that Matt's going to be this perfect kid, but if I don't tell him what we expect and why he shouldn't drink, how's he going to know? You think kids that age really listen? <laughs> they never admit it, Bill, but they hear more than you think. Talk. They hear you. For more information about talking with kids about underage drinking, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. If you need to know about farming, then you need to know Pam Yonke. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. And I need to know about this snowfall we had last night and what we are going to be looking forward to going into the new year. It's time now for your Compere Financial Egg Weather Update with Stu Muck. Stu, we're, we're out of that winter weather advisory, uh, but the roads are still wet, or at least they were when I was coming in early this morning. Will we get any freezing temperatures that can turn those wet roads to ice? Oh, absolutely, Stephanie. Going to stay cool today. In fact, some of uh, what was left on my deck yesterday after I just shoved it off was quite slick and icy this morning. So be prepared. You're going to find a lot of spots where some moisture was yesterday that this morning will be ice. May catch you off guard. You know, that step out of that barn door might all of a sudden be a skating rink. Be on the alert. Temperatures are indeed going to stay colder. In fact, below freezing for most of us today, um, mid-20s. That may be about the most we can hope for. Of course, there was some snow, and I do have a couple of reports this morning indicating about 3.2 inches at Madison, 5 inches at La Crosse, and Portage uh, 3.7 inches just north of Madison along the Wisconsin River. So pretty fair snows, I'd say close to 3 here in the Fond du Lac area. Nonetheless, that's behind us. The front that brought that snow is pushing off to our east, the low pulling away from Wisconsin. 
And, of course, there is still some snowfall up around northern parts of Lake Michigan, the UP, northern lower Michigan. But that's about the only thing around for us. We do stay a little drier for today. But another small low, very quick moving one, does fly in from the west. And that brings around some chance, even by this evening, uh, toward uh, La Crosse or Madison, that some light snow develops, a little light snow possible through the nighttime, a good dusting of possibility as that small disturbance just flies through southern Wisconsin. Once it clears out, we do keep that somewhat cooler air in store. Temperatures uh, at normal or maybe slightly above tomorrow or into the day Friday. Another low-pressure system will be approaching, and that next system will most likely mean more snow chances, and that may even happen toward late Friday night or into New Year's Day Saturday. Uh, not a major system by any means. Another inch or so, just a little inconvenience. You may want to clean it up, and that could be about the worst there is. But at the same time, there's going to be some reinforcement in cold air, and it really does appear as we start looking towards Saturday night. Could be one of the cooler nights we've seen in quite some time. Temperatures dropping to below zero, and with some breezes at that time, wind chills that may drop into the uh, teens below zero. That's Saturday night. So if you want to look ahead to that, know that there is going to be some cooler air coming our way as we head toward the new year. And in fact, that uh, first night of the new year, Saturday night, could be one that's on the very chilly, very cold side. I don't think we have major snowstorms to worry about heading toward the weekend, but that cold air sliding in at least through Saturday night and uh, not quite so cold as we head to next week. Still in all, it does sound like some winter weather is going to be here to start the new year. Other than that, not a whole lot going on weather-wise. I don't think we feel bad about that. Uh, you know, we don't have a major snowstorm to clean up, not a major accumulation a little after yesterday. Yes, that we'll take care of, but in the long run, we can deal with that, deal with some slippery conditions, you know, exercise that uh, safe driving in the winter, leave a little extra room between you and the car ahead of you. So in case you have to tap on those brakes, you don't have as big of a problem. We maybe forget some of that as we make our way on into this season, but it's settling in now and it's going to be around. And I do expect that we aren't going to suddenly turn back to spring. I think all of us in Wisconsin know that we're at that time of the season. And although I'm talking about temperatures more like normal as we look toward next week, what's normal? 29 is a normal daytime high and the mid-teens, 14 or 15 degrees. That's a normal nighttime low. So that below zero low for Saturday night, that's way colder than normal. But next week looks a lot more normal in the upper 20s and maybe a low 30 now and again. That's not all that bad for the early part of January. Certainly we can all uh, muddle through that, if you will, just bundle up and be careful. So our Compere Financial Ag Weather Update does call for some clouds to build back in today. And in the south and west, a small chance of a little light snow by late today, or call it evening. Now look for temps today in the low to mid-20s, uh, maybe 22 lacrosse in Boston, 25 or 26 further east in the state. Winds will become northwest about 5 to 10. Cloudy skies with some snow then early in the night. We drop back down to the mid-teens. North winds about 5 become very calm. Mostly cloudy as we start on into Thursday, and it doesn't sound too bad. A lot of upper 20s, some low 30s at Madison and East. Winds will become south in the day about 5. Mostly cloudy Friday. Again, very upper 20s and low 30s, not far from normal. Southwest winds on Friday, 5 to 10. They become northwest later in the day. Late Friday night could be a little snow. More likely some light snow with clouds for New Year's Day Saturday. 
Those temps in the upper teens, Stephanie, and then below zero for Saturday night. There's going to feel like some winter as that new year arrives. I definitely appreciate that colder weather and, you know, some snow, Stu, but I am looking forward to those more mild temperatures next week. That is for sure. Yeah, back to normal sounds kind of nice, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, well, I appreciate it, Stu. That is your Compeer Financial Egg Weather Update. Compeer Financial is your financial partner committed to agriculture in rural America, and you can visit Compeer.com. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Matthew. Oh, sorry. It's okay. I just need you to listen to me. I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you. And what you say really does matter to me. I mean, let's be honest. No kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. I hear you, and... I know it's because you care. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thanks, Mom, for never giving up and always being my biggest fan. Thank you for letting me know what you expect so I can try to meet your expectations. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. Attorney John Rihala. Car crashes happen in an instant. A distracted driver crosses the center line into your lane, or road construction makes everyone stop, except for the truck in your rearview mirror. Life changes in that moment, and now the world feels very different. We can help you. At Clifford & Rihala, our experienced attorneys know that someone badly injured in a crash can feel confused and even overwhelmed by everything that follows. Doctor's appointments, bills, missed work, and maybe an insurance company calling and pressuring you to settle right now before you even know what your injuries are. Call us. Clifford & Rihala is ready to help you. And we won't stop fighting until we reach your maximum recovery. For relentless dedication to helping you and your family, choose Clifford and Rihala, hardworking, skilled attorneys fighting for you. For justice, myjustice.com. It's that time of year for giving and taking. With so many people shopping online because of the pandemic, this holiday season, we are expected to have a record-breaking year for home deliveries and those pesky porch pirates. These adventurous thieves feast on crimes of opportunity, often finding their treasure in apartment complexes and vulnerable front porches. If you'd like to keep your deliveries, Madison Erie Crime Stoppers has a few package theft prevention tips. Have your packages held at your local carrier facility for pickup. Take advantage of ship-to-store for curbside pickup or check out Amazon's locker feature. You can request that your package have a signature confirmation upon delivery. Ask your carrier to place packages in an area out of plain view have packages delivered to your work schedule delivery for times you will be home have packages delivered to a neighbor who is home or install a video doorbell since they are already on your property and porch some of these porch pirates will also check for unlocked doors so make sure that the exterior of your home and any vehicles are locked up every day and night if you have any information regarding porch pirates please contact madisonary crime stoppers at 266-6014 or on the web at p3tips.com individuals contacting crime stoppers can remain anonymous and may be eligible for a cash reward This looks like a car. Has tires. Headlights, a hood. Windshield wipers. The doors look like car doors. 
open like them too. There's a front seat, back seat, steering wheel. 99.9% of the time, this would be a car. But it's not. This is a bedroom. Anita Washington's for five weeks. There are people like Anita all across Dane County. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, we'll provide Anita and other women, children, and men with nearly 20,000 nights of shelter. Just one part of more than $1.4 million in food, clothing, furniture, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. Compere Financial wishes farmers and agribusiness a safe harvest season. Stay in touch with your local Compere team throughout the year to see how they can help make your plans a reality. Exceptional client experience at the heart of everything they do. Visit Compere.com or call 844-426-6733 today. Compere Financial ACA is an equal opportunity lender and provider. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. When the north winds blow, you need to be able to fight back. Whether it's with warm clothing and accessories from Carhartt and Muck Boots, heaters for your milk house or den, every kind of salt and ice melt, you might need to fight the nastiest storms, as well as snow tires and batteries for when Mother Nature plays hardball. The winter warriors at McFarland's will get you back in front of that cozy fire in no time flat. McFarland's, one block south of Highway 12 at 780 Carolina Street, where service is a family tradition for sports. When it comes to Wisconsin, though, um, what's the scuttlebutt for the COVID issues for the Badgers? Yeah, so there were a lot of rumors uh, about Wisconsin being in a lot of trouble COVID-wise. You know, guys missing on the offensive line, a bunch of running backs missing. They're actually, and again, in the age of COVID, anything can change in three days. Three three days is an eternity. But right now, they seem to be doing pretty good. They're only missing currently – Two start two starters, um, Matt Henningsen and John Chanel, and we're expecting Matt Henningsen to show up here the next day before next day or two before the game, so he should be able to play. Not expecting John Chanel uh, to be here, so the uh, Pierce's his Wisconsin career is done. Uh, unfortunately, not going to be able to play in his final game. Um, so uh, now again, the, this this may change with uh, the CDC and. You know, the college is yeah. changing how Zach, they. How, I don't know if you read, uh, they're motivated by science now. Their words, not mine. Motivated by science. Yes, yeah. So uh, they uh, they may he may he may show up. I don't know if that's going to change anything. I asked yesterday if that would change anything, and UW was not. Uh, they can't comment on whether a player has COVID or not, so they didn't really have an answer for me on that. Um, like, could you say like, but, hey, wink twice if it's COVID or once if it's not? Right, right. I mean, he's not here. He's not. He's not injured. He is. You know. It's pretty obvious why he's not there. So either way, or not here, I should say. But we'll see if anything changes. But yeah, for otherwise, relatively, relatively, considering what uh, the rumors are out there, they're doing pretty good. All the other, every other starter is is at least here. Um, and a lot of, I don't think there are a lot of uh, any key guys missing either in the backups uh, or in the in the depth either. So Zach, where are I'm um, looking at your Twitter account, which is mm, phenomenal at Zach Heilprin. Mm. Where are they practicing? Is this like a high school field I'm looking at here in this video? <laughs> it is. It's a ridiculous high school field. Um, the uh, it's Bishop Gorman High School. It's it's on the outskirts, about 25 not, minutes. Are they not affiliated? Sorry to interrupt. They're not affiliated with Bishop Sycamore, are they? They are not. Okay, good. they are. They are. They are legit. Uh, their their field <laughs> is named after 
uh, I believe, the guy that owns the Houston Rockets. Um, he has uh, put a lot of money, I believe, into the into the program. But it, their their campus is huge. It's it's ridiculous. Um, it is as nice as anything that I've seen in Wisconsin. Better than anything I've seen in Wisconsin hmm. in terms of a high school. So yeah, they're out there practicing, and um, it's a really, really, really nice field. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I mean, this cool little landscape in the background too, surrounded by some like yeah. cool desert mountains. mountains. Yeah, that's yeah, that's it's pretty really cool. And the color scheme, you know, you got the the field itself is really cool. All right, so Zach, when it comes to the Las Vegas Bull itself, so everyone is there. Gert Groshek then is coaching the running backs. Yes, is that is that what I'm reading as well? Yeah. So Thomas Brown, or excuse me, Gary Brown, the uh, running backs coach, is dealing with a bit of an illness. Um, and uh, non non COVID illness, but he's not with the team right now. They think he might be able to rejoin them. So uh, at some point before Thursday, we'll see if that's the case or not. But until then, Garrett Groshek is the is the coach, uh, former running back who just finished his career last year. Obviously had a, a stint in the off season with uh, Las Vegas, and then uh, was on the Minnesota practice squad for for a couple of days. He was back at practice one day, and Paul Chris like uh, you know you maybe want to stick around. Uh, for you know, a couple of days, maybe a week, and it's turned into now him uh, doing this. Now that's cool. He has got the I mullet mean, back he knows, too. What's up? He's got the mullet. Yeah, back he's got too. the mullet back. Yeah, too. So he he. I mean, he knows the he knows exactly what they're doing. It's not really a huge, you know, put like change for anybody. Like he knows exactly what's going on. Trying to coach the position, he's just trying to be that extra hand, give some tips here and there. But it's nice that Wisconsin has that ability. They've they've been able to bring guys back whether it's Jack Sitchie or Chris Orr, like, and help at these positions, um, guys just being back in town and, and willing to give their time. Zach Halpern, our sports director, joining us now live from Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas, my friend. So Viva. also on your Twitter account, and I saw Ben Kenny tweeted you last night over this. I had the chuckle. Is Paul Chris also cutting his teeth as a pass rusher? Do I see him rushing the quarterback here? What's What was more awkward, him doing that or him posing with the showgirls? Oh, that's good, too. Yikes. I'm full of good uh, questions. Yeah, neither. Just yes, wait till I ask you the Brewers it, one. It is. It's a little over. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say he was a little more uncomfortable with the showgirls, but uh, <laughs> the, you know, his his as Ben he had Ben asked like what his get off was like, and uh, it didn't for the showgirls. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Uh, it, <laughs> it was he, quick. His, his get <laughs> off was Family was. Show. was uh, he was quicker with the showgirls than he was with the. He's like, get me out of here. I'm done with the pass with the pass yeah. rusher. Pam is the name. Farm speak is the game. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Welcome back. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. If you're just joining us, hey, thanks for tuning in. And now from the All Civia Farm News Desk, Pam Youngke has what's happening on a Wednesday. It is Wednesday and time to visit with our friends from the Steffes Group. That's S-T-E-F-F-E-S group.com. They, of course, have been keeping us posted on the very aggressive buying and selling that's been happening online for a lot of that used equipment that's become so valuable all across the United States, really across North America. Now, granted, we are in holiday mode for a lot of our thoughts and plans these days, but that doesn't mean that we can't start thinking ahead into 2022. Before I jump to that, though, Ashley, still probably some questions out there. Let's say that people have gone to the stephasgroup.com website or they've downloaded your price app and they see something that they're interested in. They'd still like to get a transaction done by the end of the calendar year. Will your staff be able to accommodate all the paperwork so that I'll still be able to get that on this year's taxes? 
Yeah, we definitely can. So if you bought anything in this month of December, uh, you'll have an invoice with the right dates on it and that kind of thing. Um, so we're definitely helping people with that. And I also want to take this opportunity to just thank all your listeners. Steph has had a really good year this year. We did over 600 auctions as a company, and um, it's the farmers that make us successful. So we, we really appreciate that. And we want to thank your listeners. Well, we uh, appreciate that as well. Let's talk a little bit. Now, here we are heading into 2022. Give me a sense on how January is looking for you and your staff, Ashley. So January is one of our slowest months. But, mm-hmm. you know, this year with the, with the action here at the end of the year, there's actually quite a bit of spillover with uh, a few farm lines, a lot of consignments. Um, and they just want to capture the market because it's, you know, it's not going anywhere. The market is still with us. It's still strong. And so January will be a pretty good month as far as consignments goes. But as far as uh, you wanting to do your own auction or partial liquidation, we are going to recommend probably uh, mid-February through March and the first two weeks of April. Wow, that's excellent. So people still could get on your list if they've uh, come to that conclusion after some holiday conversations that they want to uh, par back on some of their equipment or maybe exit or pivot entirely, huh? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we'll have our spring catalog that'll be coming out the end of February again. And, you know, we want to have an ample amount of time on our website because that helps to get the word out and that type of thing. And so we just want to start that first conversation of of the process and we can help you with what the prices are going to be and all those things. So, it, you know, people are going to say, wait a minute, this weather is bound to get ugly. Uh, do your folks still make a commitment to coming and seeing my piece of equipment doing that evaluation, Ashley? Yeah, you know, um, when we're busy with auctions, some of the appraisals get put off. So uh, January is a fun time for that when it's 30 below <laughs> and we're stomping around looking at equipment. But it does happen. You know, if you have a farm sale coming up this spring, we definitely want to watch the weather and say, hey, these are going to be a couple nice days to get some feature pictures, and the guys will be out there doing it for sure. Right, right. Well, like we said, if you've got questions, there's no more information you'll need. Just go to the stuffusgroup.com website. Don't forget about their app that's available online. And that toll-free number, you can always call them as well, 800-726-8609. Again, doesn't matter if it's the holiday season, the folks at the Steffes Auction Group are still busy and ready to serve you as we're rolling into the new calendar year. Again, steffesgroup.com or call them toll-free, 800-726-8609. Ashley Hewn along with us. Start off the new year strong by participating in the Dairy Business Association's annual Dairy Strong Conference, January 19th and 20th at the Monona Terrace in Madison. Dairy Strong brings together a wide variety of management philosophies and allows you to explore innovative ideas. At Dairy Strong, surround yourself with forward-thinking farmers and business owners. Register for the Dairy Business Association's annual Dairy Strong Conference at dairyforward.com. Virtual options are also available. Let's keep dairy strong. Welcome back on a Wednesday. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. I've got your market update. But first, with the new year comes new rules for hemp growers. Beginning January 1st, Wisconsin hemp growers must have their hemp sampled by a USDA certified hemp sampling agent. This is a shift from having DATCAP sample your hemp 
to now the private sector. DATCAP Bureau Director Brian Kuhn shares some more of those details. The big news is on January 1st, the authority for operating the hemp program in Wisconsin shifts from the Wisconsin Department of Agriculture over to the U.S. Department of Agriculture. And with that, there will be some changes to the program. DATCAP will no longer be participating with our hemp growers in that hemp production process. So with the work that we previously had done, which was our staff collected a sample of every hemp lot in the state and had it tested at our laboratory to get that regulatory THC level to confirm and be able to certify the crop as hemp. That will now shift to the private sector. Under the USDA model, they allow growers to use private sector samplers and private sector laboratories to collect their samples and test them. So what we're trying to do is encourage folks in Wisconsin to get on that certified sampler list so that our hemp industry has a good cadre of samplers to choose from. And that all begins on January 1st. So we only have a few, you know, I'd say a handful or more of indoor growers that are growing kind of continuously year round. The real push for samplers comes later in the in the season when the field crops are all coming into maturity and need to be sampled. So that real stress point or need for those samplers ramps up in the September, October time frame. But you don't have to wait last minute, right? You can take advantage of getting trained and certified now. Brian, how many do we need in Wisconsin versus, you know, you said we have a handful now, but how many are you looking to get? Yeah, currently there really are only uh, one or two on that that list. So we certainly want more than that uh, because we want them to be geographically located. We want folks all over the state so that growers that are located all over the state can go to a relatively nearby person and not pay a, a higher cost to have to have somebody run across the state to collect their sample. You know, what we probably want is something more in the range of 15 or 20 folks on that list or more. There's no no limit on that. DATCAP at times, um, when we were at our peak sampling, we had um, on the order of 15 samplers statewide collecting those samples. And that was pretty much full-time job for those 15 folks. So, so we'd certainly want more than that knowing that this isn't probably may not be a full-time job for for some people that they choose to do this as a as an additional activity on top of other work that they may be doing. Again, that's DATCAP Bureau Director Brian Kuhn with information on that hemp transition. You can find more at midwestfarmreport.com. And now let's take a look at those markets from Chicago. March corn is trading at 603 and a quarter. That's down a penny and a half. January beans are down a penny and 3 quarters at 1357 and a half. Cash wheat is down four and a quarter at seven seventy nine and a quarter. July new crop wheat is down a nickel at seven seventy eight and three quarters. On the close yesterday, barrel cheese was sitting at a dollar sixty three and a quarter. That's down four and a half. The forty pound block cheese was up two cents at a dollar ninety three. Double A butter is making strides. Double A butter is up nine and a half cents at two dollars and forty cents. January class three milk is trading at nineteen ninety five a hundredweight, up six cents. February milk is up 10 cents at $20.30 a hundredweight. That's your market update. And hey, stay tuned because Pam Yankee talks with the Wisconsin Soybean Association next. They're going to give us some insight on what they're looking forward to in the new year. Thanks for hanging out with me this morning. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yankee. There goes Pam Yonke across Wisconsin in her suburban truck. 
Thanks to Farm First Dairy Cooperative, serving dairy farmers across the Midwest since 2013. Farm First Dairy Cooperative, member-focused, member-driven, member-led. And from Equity Livestock Cooperative, marketing your livestock, financing your operation, and supporting the livestock community since 1922. Keep up with Pam at fabulousfarmbabe.net, on Facebook and Twitter. When someone breaks important safety rules and drives negligently, a crash is often the result. If you're caught in a crash because another driver broke the rules, it can feel unfair. And for good reason. It's not fair when you're injured through no fault of your own. It's not fair when your life is now very different. We can help. At Clifford and Rihala, after decades of helping people injured because someone else broke the rules, we know what you're going through. And we're ready to stand by you. Here you'll find caring, compassionate attorneys committed to helping you recover everything you've lost. If you've been in a crash, call Clifford and Rihala for a free consultation on your injury claim. We'll fight to make things right so that now you're treated fairly. For relentless dedication to helping you and your family, choose Clifford and Rihala, hardworking, skilled attorneys fighting for you. For justice, myjustice.com. Educated Mortgage, the smartest way home. Call Dan, the Mortgage Man. In today's ultra-competitive home market, it's important that you have a local lender on your side to get your offer accepted. Sellers and realtors want to work with me because they know there will be no surprises and the deal get done on time. Educated Mortgage, the smartest way home. Call Dan. The Mortgage Man. NMLS number 222-652. From farm to fork and everything in between, we cover it all. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. We are very much looking forward to the 2022 Wisconsin Corn Soy Expo back for face-to-face conversations, all kinds of learning. Bob Carls, Executive Director of the Wisconsin Soybean Association, is along with us. Now, uh, it took a little while to make sure that you were polling industry leaders and talking with members about this. Uh, give us a little sense on how it feels going into the new calendar year with this big event back on the docket. Well, we're excited to get back going with it. It's going to be different this year. There's no doubt about it. But we're going to push forward, have an excellent conference. Um, we have our full two days of speakers all set up. Uh, trade show is selling out. Uh, people can register now, cornsoyexpo.org. Um, you can go right online. We are most of it is being done online now. Uh, we're working with UW Stevens Point with our registration, which we're really excited about. Um, kind of bringing things up to date. So we have um, Sarah Wyant with Farm Journal coming. We have uh, Eric Snodgrass, who's kind of a climatologist, um, meteorologist. He's going to be coming to to speak. Uh, then we also have Willie Voigt that will be coming, and he'll be talking about equipment and new policies and procedures. We're going to have some sessions on the new tax laws. We're going to have a session on mental health, of course, and then also for transition, for, you know, family transition um, within families, um, mm-hmm. you know, with the property. Then we'll have, of course, our focus on our research. Uh, we'll, we're excited. We'll have, of course, Dr. Conley. Um, we'll have um, Dan- Dr. Smith, Damon Smith, uh, Rodrigo Werla, he'll be speaking as well. And so we're, you know, we're looking forward to that, um, having a, f- a good two days for everybody to come and learn, uh, have some fellowship, 
and enjoy time together. You know, uh, and like you said, everything is different. It's nice to get back together, but it's still a little different. What is uh, the association, and this is in conjunction with the corn growers and also the pork producers, what are we hoping for as far as numbers, Bob? Um, we're, you know, looking at probably two-thirds. That's what, you know, our, our goal is. Uh, people have to still be smart with regard to their health. Um, there will not be a mask requirement. It'll be masks will be highly recommended um, at this point in time. Right. Uh, we are in Sauk County, so we would have to go by any regulations they would come out with. Um, but for the, the time being, we're not requiring masks. Um, so we just ask the people remain socially distant, mm-hmm. uh, wear a mask if they can, you know, wash your hands, we'll mm-hmm. have sanitizer. Yeah. We're going to do our best. You know, the nice part about this being at the Kalahari Resort is if people haven't been there recently, that expanded trade show opportunity provides for some of that social distancing. It also provides for uh, more exhibitors. What are you hearing from your exhibitors? I know you said as soon as the show dates were announced and confirmed, the space started filling up. They were in uh, kind of a gray zone, too, on what they'd be able to do in 2022. Well, we don't have everybody back because some corporate um, directives come out and they don't allow their staff to travel. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we do have at least two-thirds of our our crew back. But we have some companies that aren't able to participate because of restrictions put on them by their corporate headquarters. Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed that they're able to join us. Now, people will say, will there be a virtual element? You're putting all energies into the face-to-face. Yeah, we're not doing a virtual element um, this year. We're going to be, we're we're pushing face-to-face, focus on that. And then um, we think that that'll be the, the, the right route for us to go. I also want to remind people, although you've got a fantastic trade show and great educational outlets uh, uh, for growers, mm-hmm. there's also the association meeting. It's kind of a, an important element that I think sometimes growers get so excited about the trade show and catching up with one another that they overlook. But you do like to have that once a year face-to-face meeting with a lot of different people and let them know what the association's doing. Sure, we have our annual meeting that'll be held on uh, that Thursday the 3rd at noon where we kind of showcase what we've been up to and what we're going to be doing in the in the year ahead. Right, and that gives you a sense of where your dollars are being spent too. So please do do try to take that in. I know I was talking with Sean Conley. He was mentioning that the the researchers that are funded in part by our Wisconsin soybean checkoff dollars are very much focused in on data data collection, not just uh, randomly out of the air, but they're keeping that face-to-face presence with farmers across the state. Oh, Sean Sean and his colleagues are very into data. That's a big thing that helps them with, with their research. I think you're going to be hearing from him as we get closer, asking farmers to bring their data with them to the meeting and share it. Uh, because he, that that's such an integral part of of of, of learning mm-hmm. and um, and and bettering the soybean industry and soybean production in the state. I want to remind you again, if you missed the day, it's February 3rd and 4th, Kalahari Resort in Wisconsin Dells. Registration is now open. If you've never taken this show in, folks, it is critically important if you're a corn or soybean grower or somebody that's in a support industry to be there. Cornsoyexpo.org is the website. Let's talk a little bit about 2022 then, Bob. Um, I know that you keep your pulse on all kinds of industry activities, as well as uh, different projects that are being funded by checkoff dollars. We know that Dr. Sean Conley, Dr. Damon Smith, Dr. Rodrigo Worley are doing a great job. They are the dream team for soybeans here in uh, the United States. What other things are you noticing that growers should be aware of, where their checkoff dollars are being invested, uh, elements that they might otherwise, like I said, they get caught up on that trade show and attending different seminars. They forget about some of the overarching pictures. 
Well, we're doing work also in, in the biodiesel industry. That is something that we see that there's opportunity there for, for um, utilizing soybean oil, uh, benefiting the environment. And we see that that is, some, even though we are hearing more about electric vehicles mm -hmm. and things of that nature, there still is a need for diesel. And so we're really pushing forward in the, in the biodiesel. Um, that, and we're doing a project right here in the city of Madison. Yeah. Uh, some of the heavier equipment is being, we're using biodiesel on that. We're getting ready to release some information on that. Um, you know, that, that's definitely another area that we, have, that we have stepped into. Right. Well, and I know that it wasn't too long ago, the association had kind of gently uh, investigated the possibility of facilities even in the state. So it's an ongoing conversation. It is. As we know, the cost of construction right now is very high. It's hard to get materials. So right now we're not really looking at the possibility of building um, and doing any bricks and mortar. But definitely down the road, it is a goal of ours once uh, our supply chain gets put back in order mm -hmm. and maybe the cost of some of the construction would come down a bit. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit, uh, any board of directors elections, or I just kind of want to make sure that the growers listening understand how valuable their checkoff dollars are first in the in the big projects, and then being a member of the association is kind of important too. Oh, it's very important to be a part of the association because even though we pay checkoff dollars uh, when a farmer sells his grain, your membership in the association, that allows us to go work on policy. And when we have farm bill, we're looking at a farm bill coming down the road. Um, that's very important for us too to... Um, you know, be on top of that, represent soybean farmers, and make sure that their voices are heard. Uh, we will also be electing officers through our association at the annual meeting. Mm -hmm. um, so that's always a part where farmers need to come and get involved. They have a right to vote, um, you know, and, and get involved and have a say in who runs their organization. The other part that I think Wisconsin can be very proud of is many of our growers that may start mm -hmm. on the Wisconsin board one way or the other, promotion or association, end up in leadership roles on the national scene. Oh, absolutely. We've had some very, very key leaders that have gone forward. We have three United Soybean Board members um, that we are very proud of. They just came back from their work in St. Louis. And then we just have, uh, we have our ASA director, Don Lutz. He just got back from uh, the national meeting there. We have people involved in the North Central Soybean Research. We have people involved in the Biodiesel Board, all national organizations that our farmers volunteer their time and serve on behalf of the farmers in the state of Wisconsin. Like I said, that's another reason why you want to make the Wisconsin Corn Soy Expo 2022 a part of your programming. Uh, the date's February 3rd and 4th, Kalahari Resort in Wisconsin Dells. R register, please, today. Like Bob said, everything's going to be online this year, so don't wait for mailings per se. Go to cornsoyexpo.org, and of course, we'll keep you posted as well. We intend to be a big part of the show and want to look forward to seeing you there. Plus, you can get your reservations now at the Kalahari Resort in Wisconsin Dells. We'll see you there. 